In 2005, Barb Allen got the knock at the door, the last knock that any military spouse or family ever wants to receive. But her story, while similar to others because of that knock, is so incredibly unique. And it's not an easy one to listen to, but we're not always here for easy. She's talking service and sacrifice and her commitment to American patriotism through it all on this episode of Pick Up the Six podcast. Barb, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me and for rolling with my uh, self. Absolutely. It's all good. You've got a big event coming up, which is a reason why you've got a lot going on in your world these days. We're going to talk a ton about that, how our listeners can get involved and hopefully go attend it if they feel so inclined. Uh, but I uh, want to have a conversation with you uh, first as well. And I'm just so honored to have you uh, joining us today. And, and I, uh, I love how fate just sort of gets us connected on some things. And, and a, a friend of mine who's going to be speaking at your event in January was telling me about you and your story and your event. I said, and she sounds like an incredibly powerful lady and, and someone that I know the Pick Up the Six audience would love to hear, hear from. So just thanks for, for joining us and popping in the virtual studio today. No, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. We, we are going to tackle the heavy part of your story off the top here. Uh, and, and honestly, there, there's no other way than just to do it. And I thought we'd just, we'd just talk about it and, and share it because it's a critically important piece of your story. And it happens on a very tragic day in 2005 when your husband was deployed to Iraq uh, and he was killed in combat, but it's a very unique way in which that happens. Do you mind sharing that story with us today? Yeah. Um, so he, my husband, Lou, he deployed with the 42nd infantry division. He deployed after they'd been there for about six months and he and his friend, Phil Esposito was the, Phil, Phil was the commanding officer of the unit and they'd been in touch. They had worked together in the past and Phil was having a lot of problems with the staff sergeant of the unit, the supply sergeant, uh, Alberto Martinez. And he'd been back and forth with Lou, filling him in on this, and he was very stressed about it. Phil was a West Point graduate. Uh, this was a National Guard unit that had been brought up and deployed. And so there was a lot of clashing. And Lou was ultimately brought over there to clear up the situation, to boot Martinez out. Martinez was stealing from supply. Um, there was a lot of animosity between the two, between him and Phil. And Lou was brought over there to help Phil clear up that situation, to help Phil chapter Martinez out and to take over the supply situation and kind of be Phil's right-hand man to help him straighten that up. Well, Martinez uh, did not approve of that decision. You know. Mm. And for weeks beforehand, at least weeks, if not months, he had been threatening to kill Captain Esposito, but nobody told Phil Esposito that his life was being threatened. And so when Lou arrived on base, Lou actually deployed on Memorial Day in 2005. So Memorial Day weekend was the last day I saw, I saw him in person. And on uh, June 7th, 2005, so this was in the span of less than two weeks, you know, mm. June 7th, I did a video chat with Lou and our four boys. I got them up on the screen to say hi to their daddy. And we got to fill each other in on events. He was supposed to call me that night. We were gonna catch back up. And uh, I missed his call in the afternoon. I didn't have service. And so I flew home to try to get better service. And I just had this terrible feeling, terrible feeling. Uh, and it just got worse as the day went on. And I stayed up all night waiting for him, trying to get in touch with him, but there was no answer, you know, and he just wasn't there. And I just knew. And 
at 6 a.m., my doorbell rang and there were those men in their glass stage uniform to tell me that Lou had been killed. And that's when, you know, everything just crashed down mm -hmm. around me and it just got worse over the following days because we found out that he had actually, there was a murder investigation. They suspected another soldier. I didn't know anything about this. I, Lou had told me about Martinez, but I didn't connect the two, you know, um, until days later, it was actually, as we left the funeral, as we left the cemetery, my casualty assistance officer got back in the car with me and he told me that there had been arrest, like an American soldier had been arrested for killing Lou and Phil. And so, you know, you can imagine, right? I'm doing mm, yeah. my life one day and I'm looking for my husband and then my husband is killed and then it's the murder and I have four little boys. They were six, five, three and one year old. So I'm dealing with trying to be there for them and figure out what to say for them and how not to make it worse. And then the military is there. Then I have the news channels and there's a press conference in my yard and then all this stuff is happening and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And that's pretty much, it just kept declining for three and a half years as we went through the Capitol court martial process. You know, then I'm, I'm going to Kuwait for a hearing. I'm just this mom. Wow. America, you know, and then I'm flying to Kuwait to sit in the courtroom with the guy that killed my husband. And, uh, and then I'm back and I'm going from New York to North Carolina, New York to North Carolina for three and a half years as we're watching this play out. And so it just took a hold of my life and my grief and my pain or just constant trauma and trying to work my kids through this and deal with all the other stuff on the side. It was just a lot. And so it took me a long time to put it back together. But then in 2008, when we thought that it was going to be, this part was going to be over for us and we could finally start to heal and, and put our lives back together. It just got worse again because the military acquitted Martinez of the murders, even though I found out about two days after the verdict, I found out that Martinez had submitted the guilty plea that the military had denied existed to, to us and had ac actually lied when we asked about one. and. Um, that that's a no, no, you know, they're mm -hmm. not supposed to do mm -hmm. that. And so we'll never really know for sure why they did that, but they rejected his guilty plea and then set him free. Mm -hmm. And so that just, you know, it was, it was just way more than my resiliency skills at the time yeah. to, to handle. So I just kept going down, 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 down. Uh, and I didn't really come back up for, you know, about 10 years after my husband was killed, took about 10 years to work through everything and get my life to a point where I had blown it up so severely and created such carnage in my home, in my family, for my boys, and things were in such dire situations. I had just finally got out of an abusive relationship and he had taken all of our money and I was going to lose the house and I couldn't get a job and my health was in the shits and <laughs> I was passing it. Yeah. I had no friends, no family, like everything, everything was, and I felt bad, you know, and I took my four boys on that ride with me. It was, you know, there were good times in between and I would have moments where I would come up and then I would get pulled back down. And so uh, I did my best to be there for them. Uh, and, you know, we had a lot of good, special, happy memories, but most of it was centered on trauma. So uh, it wasn't about 10 years of that up and down, yeah, yeah. Cycles, you know, and then I- how, how could it, I mean, Barb, how could it not be? I mean, to think about what happens in that moment, it's so incredible to me. I mean, obviously, look, there's there's a lot in your story to unpack. And, and quite frankly, 
out of respect to you and the process to been through, we don't need to have you relive it all, right? That's not my intention today to do that. But I think there is, there are some very important pieces to the story that build on who you are and what you do now that we're going to kind of come back to. But first and foremost, I mean, the fact that he deployed knowing he was part of this admin team that was going to address this man who then ultimately took that terrible act and really not, not intended at Lou. He just becomes, you know, part of this terrible, just, I mean, all you can call it is just a terrible, tragic event, um, uh, evil event, really. Um, when you think about what this guy does, uh, it's just, it must've been really challenging for those first three, four, five years to even understand that I've got to just assume it's just hard to just understand like what the hell just happened to us. Um, yeah, that was pretty much a, a common feeling. That was, that's a good way to yeah. put it pretty much. I lived in a state for a few years of what the hell has happened. I'm sorry if I lost you. Of what the no, hell you're good. Yep. Um, because things just kept going, you know, one, one day we'd be rolling along and they'd I'd get a call saying, Hey, there's a hearing next week. And then I would have to figure out how to get from New York to North Carolina and take care of the kids and go be there for the hearing. And it could be at 10 o'clock in the morning, but then it would get bumped to one o'clock in the afternoon, or we'd go down on Friday, it would get bumped to Monday, or we'd go down there and it would be five minutes. And of course we didn't, they didn't need us there. Right. But I had to be there. How can you not be there at every yeah, hearing? Yeah. So there's no question I was going to go. And I tried to make sense of it. I started to keep that journal and that's what turned into my first book, but I wanted to have some clarity for myself and some credibility. So I um, started back in college. I got my master's in criminal justice while the, I started that while the trial was going and while I was writing my book so that I could try to, you know, knowledge is power. You feel so powerless, Yeah. You feel so powerless and you're constantly told that you're a victim. The victim is reinforced. And part of me wanted to fight that. And so I was trying to get knowledge and information and I was trying to get some sort of my core, you know, I was trying mm -hmm. to build my core a little. And so I wanted to have that master's degree so that when I put that book out, I would be more than just the angry, vengeful widow, right? I wanted yeah. to have some kind of credentials behind me. So, you know, those are things I tried to do to to keep myself upright and intact and moving forward and tell myself that I was creating something out of this mess, but it was, it was just a lot. It was, yeah. I didn't yeah. handle a lot of it. Well, we, we, um, uh, I often say this with all sincerity because a lot of our guests have either been through tragic experiences or, or just sacrificed so much you know, folks like John Quartz, whose father was killed, uh, one of the first airmen killed during uh, Desert Storm, or folks like John Ellsworth, who, whose son Justin was killed in combat. I, we don't take for granted what it takes for you to tell us the story today. So first and foremost, just thank you for being willing to, to do it, because again, there are important pieces to it. But one more part of just the tragedy of all of it is the fact that because it's considered this like non-hostile part of combat, there's no purple heart. And, and that real important, uh, uh, metal and, and all that comes with it has been denied, not just your husband, but your family. What's the status of that? Cause I know you've been fighting for that for a long time. What, what is the status of that piece of it? Cause you never, unfortunately you haven't been able to get sort of any closure on this piece of it. Yeah. 
So we've put forth several efforts throughout the years. And then, you know, when you do this and you enlist public support, because without, it's a catch 22, right? This is something very private. You want to go through in private, but you know, if you don't have public support, then the powers that be are just more powerful and can do anything to you. So you feel like the more eyes you get on it, the more people that care, the more outrage, the better chance you have that the people who are in a position to make a move are going to do the right thing by you is simply mm -hmm. out of fear for public opinion, right? So you're walking that line between trying to get public support and trying to, to do this in private. And because when you put yourself out there publicly, you're going to get pounced on, right? You're going to get pummeled. You could put a picture of a puppy up there and somebody would tell you what a piece of crap you are for not putting a cat. <laughs> That's a puppy system, right? Fair point. Yeah, fair point. <laughs> So um, then when you go out there and you say, hey, my husband was denied the Purple Heart, this is how he was killed, you open yourself up to comments from strangers saying, well, he probably did something to deserve it. He was probably a piece of crap anyway, who cares? He doesn't deserve the Purple Heart. Stop trying to belittle everybody who did earn the Purple Heart. What's wrong with you? Why are you getting this? So you get like comment after yeah. comment after comment. And so you, it, it's really hard to go out there and do that, but we did it. And then of course, every time you go, submit a new request to a congressman or the military awards board or something, you have some representative working with you, somebody, that person is new. And so they need all of that information over again. So you have to decide if you're gonna stop your life and go back into that part that you have walled off in order to carry on with your life. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I do, you know, I go back into that place that takes me back down and I, because I don't want to let that opportunity go, but to date it has continued to be denied. The military says he was not killed by an enemy, even though they let the American go, they said he was killed by an American. So it doesn't qualify. I said, but you acquitted the American. So prove that, you know, they're having it both way and, back, and around and around yeah. we go. Plus I tried to lobby them to get them to recognize the fact that an American soldier who kills an American soldier in combat zone on purpose is, is fact, the enemy. Yes, the absolutely. Enemy. Yes. The enemy. And so let's train our troops. That was part of the, my, my mission was I'm like, all these people had, there were so many warning signs that Martinez put forth that he was a danger and yeah. everybody ignored them because they all assumed that the uniform would protect them. They all assumed that nobody would, would breach that uniform, that he could be this piece of garbage. He could be saying this, he'd be a terrible soldier, but he'd never do this because he's one of ours. And so when I found out all the warning signs, I heard the hundreds of times he threatened to kill Phil and uh, mess with Lou and nobody did anything about it. I said, how can that be? They kept telling us it was an isolated incident. So I went and I did more research. I found all these cases that happened before Lou, after Lou, and I put like six cases up together and I found all these common signals and warning signs in between them. And I put them up against the FBI's own workplace violence prevention policy. And I said, if this FBI policy has been applied in this six cases and all of these instances here, none of these people would have died, right? And mm -hmm. I wrote on that and I submitted it and I tried to, I wanted to train these, I wanted to get the word out because there's a lot of people serving in the military who just don't think that that person next to them will do what, what uh, Martinez did simply because they wear our uniform. So, but then you're branded as somebody who hates the military. I mean, this is all what goes into the purple heart, right? So yeah. it's all very upsetting, but over the course of that time, I had, there were two Vietnam veterans who didn't know me, who saw a story about me in the paper. Uh, one day I came home from a particularly rough day. There was an envelope for me from somebody I didn't recognize. I opened it up. There's a letter, a beautiful letter from a man who said he was 19 years old when he was in Vietnam. 
he got a minor injury. He was awarded this Purple Heart. He didn't deserve it the way my husband did. So he had engraved my husband's name on his own Purple Heart and sent it to me uh, in honor of my husband. And as if that wasn't incredible enough, within a couple of months, I'm at a book signing in some grocery store and a Vietnam veteran walks in and hands me his own Purple Heart mm. and said, I heard about the story, your husband deserves So there's two Vietnam veterans who come give me their own purple heart. I mean, so for why is it not, why is it not surprising that it's Vietnam veterans, right? right? The guys who got treated the worst when they came home, didn't get a welcome home are the ones that stepped up. We keep leaning in with that generation and I'm begging our listeners to go back and look at it and find some of those guys and pay them some additional respect given the amount of picking up the six they did. You know how many men were drug off the battlefield in Vietnam by their own brethren? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's incredible. You you guys have heard the stories here. Uh, it's not surprising to me that it, that it's two Vietnam vets that did that for you. It's, it's incredibly amazing. And there's a lot of sort of personal empowerment. Let me, let me kind of just tie a little bit of a bow on this part of the story because I want to talk about kind of the second phase, right? In, the, in this extended part of your journey, you know, um, the military might say he, he wasn't an enemy that killed your husband. It was a Claymore mine that took his life. And on the front of the Claymore mine, it reads front towards enemy, right. right? That man made that decision in that moment to be the enemy, right? So there is something in there guys. And again, it's not, it's heavy conversation, right? It's not, this is, this is not a lot of super rah-rah USA kind of stuff here in this moment of your story. But that's worth taking some note of how that happened. H- how do you, given all this, let me ask you this first, because I want to ask you, sorry, how do you remain so patriotic? I see that American flag behind you. It could be easy to go in the other direction. At what point in, in this whole story did, did you feel like you got some level of peace and comfort in the fact that your husband laid down his life for his country? Um. That hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, maybe it hasn't happened yet because of because it, just when I was starting to feel that way, when it, it was about ten years after he was killed, and I had been through everything I'd been through, and I just started to do the work I needed to do to restore my own life, my health, my physical, emotional yeah. well-being, and and I just started to do that work, and I just started to get myself strong again and get into a healthy relationship and a new job, and just feel like okay, I made it. Then I took a look around and paid attention to what was happening. And that's when our country was coming undone. This yeah. is when, and this is the common rant I always do. This is when like all the, the pink vagina hats started it all. <laughs> I'm like, these crazy women in vagina hats like started. And I thought that that would be a temporary phase, mm-hmm. right? I was like, oh, this will never catch on. Like these people are clearly loco and, um, and nothing will possibly come of this movement. But it just got worse and worse and worse. And it turns out those are the people. So as I saw the country start to fall apart, that took me back down to a depressive state. I felt like America was turning its back on my husband's sacrifice again, right? Mm, I, like, yeah. again. As if there wasn't, I was just starting to console myself with the fact that my husband died for in service of a country that was great and full of amazing people. And then the country that I thought, you know, I believe was great. And I still do believe it's great. And I still do believe there's amazing people in it, but it was being attacked by all these other people. And that just started to make me feel like it was his sacrifice was becoming less cherished and less respected. And, and I'm like, I can't, 
allow that. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do something about it. You got to do something about it. The, the, the challenge that I have, we'll just have sort of a vulnerable, right. Kind of real moment here with each other is, you know, is, is constantly working to come back to that, that a country that is still relatively young in the grand scheme of things in this world of ours. And that even with all the flaws, right. Of course, of course, there's no perfect nation. Of course, you're not, you know, there are imperfections along the way. We have many things that we've done since that great founding in 1776, when those 56 brave put their names, right, their blood, their treasure on the line, right, to, to break away and get real sovereignty. It, there weren't perfect. It wasn't perfect through those moments. There, there were, we've stumbled along the way, right? We've had issues. We've had a civil war inside our own country. We've had, we've had, <laughs> countless imperfections, but can we continue to strive to be that great nation that everybody looks towards that thousands, millions of people still flock to on a daily basis? So I guess my question is, how do you balance all that and continue to push forward your personal patriotism and be empowered by it? Because I think that's what you're trying to do now. Yeah, well, I didn't start down this path intending to to do this. I thought that we would just roll when we started. So I'm now engaged to an amazing man, Dave. Which Brown. is a big part of your story, right? That's and, and yeah. uh, when I started telling back when we were dating, and I started saying to him, "Hey, I can't believe this is happening. Like, I just feel like I need to do something. I know there's all these great people. Like, I what mm-hmm. can we do? He's an entrepreneur, and he said, "Well, let's just start." A podcast and I found a name for it. Let's call it this. And we had no idea what we were doing. Do tell us, tell us American Snippets, right? It's the name yeah, of the podcast. American yeah. Snippets, but we had no idea. Like we recorded one interview and we launched our podcast. Like we Yeah, we sometimes you just get going, Barb, right? You just get going. Right. And uh, it really took us about two, three years to figure out how to do a podcast. Uh, but we've interviewed hundreds of people from across the country and we did that. Like that's we again, we just intended to to carry on the American spirit and to be a reminder that there's good people and to connect good That's people. Right. And sort of, we, we intended, I think, to be like an accessory to America, you know? Um, but now we're part of a community that we really feel like we're helping strengthening the spine of America <laughs> because we're, it's not just us, it's us coming together with this person, coming together with you, coming together with that person. We're creating a community and together. We're all leaving the spine and we're holding America's spirit up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what I believe. But we didn't plan to do this. We didn't plan to make it our life work. But then when we were in the position to do so, we saw the need and we're getting such an amazing response. Then how can we stop? Right. So yeah. we just have to move forward. I think uh, it's a I think every American should feel very personally about what's happening in this country and it's hard for us because even in our our own home life our friends our family not most people are like whatever just go get the shot just go do what you got to do just wear the fucking mask it's okay if we curse i asked right? sure be who, you, be who you're gonna be i'm sorry in retrospect you're probably like what the hell no, but, it's all uh, good be yourself uh, but you know just do this just do that why why is it such a big deal for you like they don't really uh, see why we care so much about this or why we have this line in the sand and so it's hard to maintain that path when the people in your immediate vicinity don't really like see that it's a big deal, right? So yeah. by connecting with more people around the country, we're, and, then, and that's common. A lot of people feel isolated and that's how the morale is being squashed because 
especially the people in the nine to five jobs or who can't leave their jobs. Like, well, I'm not going to lose my job over this. I'll just do it even though I don't want to. Like, that's how it's going down, 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 right? So it's only by more of us connecting and building and collaborating together and working together that we can build this foundation for people to land on and at least catch our breaths before we do something that we don't believe in doing, right? So um, that's that's what we're building. That's what American Snippets has turned into. That's what this event has turned into. And that's what we're doing moving forward is just mm -hmm. finding more people. We're not out to trash other people. We're not out to put anyone down. Everybody has the right to choose how they want to proceed during this, but uh, we are standing up in that process for our right to choose as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's being taken away. And I just can't stand for that. Can't stand for it. So you've got the event is called the great American summit. Again, the podcast is called American snippets. You can find Barb and Dave on that podcast as well. So this great American summit is the 7th and 8th of January. So if you guys are listening as we record and release this, it's coming around pretty quick, but I said, let's get Barb in, hear her story, see if we can't send a few folks that way. It's going to be in the great state of Texas, Irving, Texas, uh, not too far away from where I lived in Wichita Falls for a few years. So excited that you're going to be in, in Texas two-day event. And, and uh, it reads like this, to take back our country's foundation of independence, entrepreneurship, and integrity. I love those three things together, right? And those are uniquely American kind of uh, values. It says, are you tired of feeling frustrated instead of free? Do you want to still believe in American, in the American dream? Then get ready to strengthen yourself, your family, your community, and your country. It's a one-of-a-kind event. It sounds like it's going to be amazing. The, the list of speakers, and I'm going to name a few and then ask you just to tell me more about what's going to be happening and why you're excited about it. But folks like Navy SEAL Jason Redmond, Bedros Killiam, you guys will remember recently we had Ray Cash Care on the show. Well, he's part of Bedros's Modern Day Night Project. Bedros is a cool guy, entrepreneur. Nick Vol Volgisic, I was Nick trying Ray to make sure. That's right. Thank you. Aussie American born with no arms and legs. I mean, incredibly inspiration. Uh, Ryan Weaver's a country music artist and a Blackhawk aviator. So tell us a little bit more about the event. I mean, the lineup looks incredible. I want our listeners to consider to go attend it if they can get to Texas uh, in January, but it sounds like it's going to be really cool. Yeah, this is something we've been working on for a very long time. Um, and all proceeds of this event are being donated back to organizations that support our military, our law enforcement, our first responders, and then organizations uh, run by Yaku Buyans, who is combating human trafficking. So wow. again, this the theme of this event, strengthen yourself, your family, your community, that's how you strengthen your country. It, it We're putting our money where our mouth is, so to speak, right? So everybody, just by coming, just by buying a ticket, you are supporting these organizations that do great work. And I cannot mm -hmm. emphasize enough how important it is for everybody to find a way to do something. Like I'm not going out on the front, I'm not going to the border and combating human trafficking, right? I am not physically running programs for veterans or law enforcement or first responders, but I know these people and I know they're doing important work and I want to support that work. So that's how I contribute, right? We don't all have to be on the front lines, but we need to support the people who are. And that's, that's what this event is doing. So just by going, you're giving back and all the people from those organizations are going to be there to share their story and their work. We're going to work hard. We're going to play hard, right? It is going to be, um, mm -hmm. be people sharing their stories of resilience to help people learn some resiliency and how to stand up for yourself because we really need that now. Ian Smith, for instance, he's the gym owner in New Jersey who had the whole New Jersey government go after him. And yeah, he, sure he, did. 
and how to stand your ground. And uh, I think people really need some reinforcement on how to stand their ground now, whether it's, and it doesn't just apply to what's going on in this country. This is a good thing for all of life to learn how to stand your ground. It doesn't apply just for what's happened over the last two years in the face of a pandemic, quite frankly. And I know that's, look, this is part of it, right? There, there are some things over the last couple of years that have tested um, some individual freedom. We'll just kind of leave it at that, right? Um, but there's more that's applicable here. And this idea of right? Strengthening yourself, your family, your community strengthens your country. Heck yeah, it does. Yeah. Right? Of course it does. Yeah. And there's going to be people speaking about, you know, how faith plays into that and That's how right. taking care of your physical well-being and mm -hmm. your mindset and all that. And then there's going to be other people who have built multi-million dollar businesses from the ground up. Some people with just their phone and their laptop. Incredible. And they're going to be teaching people in attendance three or four different ways to do that. Um, and then you're going to have the opportunity to connect with them. We have somebody who helps you turn your story into a book and use that to get clients and build your mindset. Like I me, mean, so all these different ways to do these things um, that are going to give people a place to land. So if yeah. you, and again, this doesn't just apply to a mandate you don't want to follow or whatever. There's a lot of people out there living lives that are not fulfilling to them um, or who are, don't have enough time with their families or the children mm -hmm. or need to have flexible hours or don't. So it doesn't just apply to what's happening now, but certainly it's, it's uh, enhanced by what's happening now. Right. So yeah. they're going to give you a place to land and how to do this. And we're going to have some laughs. We're going to have some fun along the way. I mean, and Ryan Weaver, He's not only a former Blackhawk aviator, but his brother and his brother-in-law were also killed on active duty. They were shot down and killed. And he's going to be speaking and also performing at this event. And it's the anniversary of his brother's death. So, you know, there's going to be some powerful moments there. Uh, we're going to have Tom Barano, who is this incredibly inspirational speed painter. And he is going to come do a performance that is just really moving. He's going to auction off those paintings so that we can donate the money back to the causes. We have a networking hour. We have a reception for people to hang out with. So we're doing our best to make it, even though it's a big event, you know, with few hundreds of people there, um, we're doing our best to make sure you still pull away all the things that make a small event feel special, right? Yeah. So yeah. speakers are going to come down. We're going to mingle. We're going to talk. We're going to hang out. We're, but we're genuinely there to connect with everybody who comes and to connect everybody who comes with each other. And we want to stay connected and involved well after this event. That's incredible. I mean, you think about all that you likely can gain just in your head knowledge, but to be able to walk out with some real kind of tangible things. I mean, the fact that you got all the proceeds going out to these great organizations, one of which is Reboot Recovery. You got my friend, Evan and Jenny Owens. Evan was on our show few months ago, sharing the story of Reboot Recovery. And I saw they were on the list of organizations that benefit from this. So guys, if you, if you got the ability to get over there in early January, I mean, general admin starts at 200 bucks, VIP at 500. This is a very affordable event to go attend. And there's going to be some amazing things you're going to get out of it. And you're going to be giving back. And you're part of something that's just a little bit bigger than all of us, which I think is a really neat way to do it. What, what I'm seeing happen, Barb, and I get the sense that you are too, is that even in the face of adversity, um, even in the face of, you know, trying times as a country, and we've been through a lot, we'll still have more to go through. I, I do feel like I, I'm seeing people coalesce and come together, uh, which is the hope that we can continue to kind of remember who we are, remember what made us, what makes us an exceptional nation that so many look to. I mean, I, again, I kind of come back to it. 
thousands, millions flock here on a daily basis. Why? Right. Right. Why do they come here? Why? Even with all of our problems, right? They come here for a reason because that flag behind you, right? Still stands for something. We need to remember that. So we lean in on these conversations. I think we need to remember that. I think we need to show by our actions what makes it so great, uh, which is incredible. Here's what we've got set up for you guys. If you go to pickupthesix.com on our menu bar, you'll see Great America Summit. Click that. It'll take you right to the page. You can register. We also have the link in our show notes as well. So if you can get to Texas on January 7th and 8th, again, go to pickupthesix.com. You'll see Great America Summit in our menu bar. You can click that. It'll take you right to it. You guys can sign up. Uh, we also have the link in the show notes as well. Uh, I'm guessing you got a lot to do to get ready, but you're starting to get kind of fired up here less than a month before yeah. go time, or is it just a lot of nervous energy to pull this thing off? I'm fired up and I'm exhausted right at the yeah. same time. And I wanted to get it out there too. We do have from some sponsors, we have a um, hundred free tickets to offer out to veterans, law enforcement, and first responders. Nice. Um, they, they would like to come for free and bring their spouse. Uh, or a guest, you know, whatever. So if anybody is interested in that and would like that, they can just go ahead and email me directly. It's barb at americansnippets.com and they can email directly and I'll work with them to get their name on a list because we'd really like to see those tickets used. And there's potential that we'll have more available as well. So we're working. And that, again, that's something, even when you go to the website and click donate, you can donate five bucks, 10 bucks, 20, whatever it is, if you want to donate and be a part of that. And, um, it'd be really powerful to just fill the room with people from the people from those communities, right? Military. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and, and provide that experience for them as well. So, and there's going to be something really special happening in one of our performances to honor these people. So uh, it's just going to be super cool and powerful. And we'd love to have a house full of people who want to be there. Yep. Her name, uh, name of her podcast is American snippets. The event is called the great American summit. You can get a link to that on our website, pickupthesix.com. Click Great American Summit up in the menu. It'll take you right to it. You can see everybody that's going to be there and what looks like it's going to be an awesome event. Barb, we're just so grateful to be able to have a few minutes to dig back into the hard parts of your story, but then to also hear about how it has uh, provided you some empowerment to continue to lean in and do your part, right? And that's, that's what we're asking is for folks to find, find a way. How can you make an impact tomorrow? It could be something small. You can just go do something in your community that is beneficial. We're just so grateful for you, Barb. Thank you. And what you guys are doing is a great example as well. You've built a community where people can connect across the country and do things that really build your own strength and your faith and your fitness and your family. So right, that's you. exactly what we're talking about. Things like what you're doing, we want to support that too. So we're going to help spread the word about what you all are doing too, because it would be great for us to see more people get involved with you guys. That's yeah, totally. Yeah, that's totally. How we grow, right? That's yeah. how we, we achieve what we're looking for. So I love what you're doing. No, thank you. We feel very blessed to be able to have this platform here on pick up the six to share the stories of the folks that, that have gone above and beyond, right. Done something outside of themselves, whether that's through service purpose impact. And of course my brothers in F3, right? Like every morning we're getting up, with a dedication to fitness, fellowship, and faith. And so, and it's very similar to, right, this idea of strengthen yourself, your family, your community, right? So I'm going to get up early in the morning before pretty much everybody else is awake, take care of my fitness, right? So I can check, take care of that part of myself. Cause I believe that that will then put me in position to best serve my family, best serve in my place of work, best serve in my faith community, best serve in my community, you know, it, it, beyond my faith community. 
right? To be a part of this, this thing, right? To be a part of it versus sort of just sitting on the couch, right? Sitting on the sidelines, right? So let's get everybody moving, kind of pushing towards this, uh, this direction. All right, Barb, we'll wrap it up from there. You got a lot to do to get ready for the event again, guys. Uh, it's called American Snippets is the name of the podcast. Go to our website, pickupthesix.com. Click on Great American Summit, and you can go check that out as well. Thanks, Barb. Thanks so much. She's Barb Allen. I'm Brian Jodis, and this has been Pick Up the Six Podcast.